This month of episodes is brought to us by my favorite makeup company, Shine Cosmetics. Honestly, I've never worn very much makeup, but I have a few absolute favorites from Shine that I wear every single day because they're easy, natural, and long-lasting for a busy mom. My very favorite product is their Beauty Balm or BB Cream. It's a mix between tinted moisturizer and foundation. It has amazing, light, smooth coverage as well as SPF 15, which I would want to wear most days anyway, so it's perfect. I also love their lip colors. Their lip lasts go on your lips so smooth and creamy and they stay on all day. And their fun lip glosses come in every color you can imagine. Finally, I love their blush and bronzer. Every day after I apply a thin layer of BB cream all over my face, I then brush a little bronzer under my cheekbones and across my forehead for some basic contouring. And I can thank my sister-in-law for teaching me how to do that because otherwise I would have no idea. (laughs) Add a little blush to my cheeks and a quick coat of mascara and that is pretty much my full makeup routine. To try some of my favorite products or to check out their other top sellers, including eyeliner, fiber brow, and their magical makeup remover cloths, you can go to 3in30podcast.com forward slash shine. These would make awesome stocking stuffers or teacher or friend gifts for the holidays. And anytime you make a purchase with shine, use the code 3in30, all caps, for 10% off. I'm truly grateful for this great company who believes in the message of 3 and 30 and is making our November episodes possible. So many thanks to Shine Cosmetics. And now on to the show. This is episode 108, How to Get Help for Mental Illness. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. After my daughter Sally was born, I stopped sleeping. Not just in the typical newborns wake up a lot in the night kind of way, my body literally could not sleep. My insomnia got so bad that I truly feared going to bed at night because I knew I would just lay there with cycling, racing thoughts, feeling the darkness pressing down on me, feeling completely alone and like the sun was never going to rise. During the day, I had a hard time looking at my baby because I would be flooded by how much she depended on me and I couldn't bear to think about that because in the state I was in, I couldn't take care of myself, much less a tiny, helpless baby. I remember driving to an appointment with a lactation consultant and looking at Sally asleep in her car seat and just bursting into tears, sobbing to my husband, I can't take care of her. I'm losing my mind. What if I lose my mind and I'm not able to take care of our kids? I've always had a melancholy and worry-prone personality, and I'd struggled through periods of depression and anxiety throughout my life, but it had been manageable when I only had myself to take care of. I never sought medical help because I convinced myself that it wasn't that bad and I could do it on my own. That all changed after I had Sally. I was in a truly dark place, and one day as I lay down to try to take a nap while she did, I had a full-blown World closing in, I think I might die right here, panic attack. I was pacing the room, sweating, trying to get breath, trying to understand what was happening to me. And after it was over, I texted Ryan, who was actually just in the front room when all of this was happening, 
and he came and crawled into bed with me as I sobbed in terror and exhaustion. The next thing I did was call my OBGYN. Though I had resisted medical help and medication to manage my mental health in the past, I knew I needed a new level of support if I was going to be well and take care of this new little baby and my spirited three-year-old toddler. I'd gone to therapy in the past and I would continue to go to therapy, but it was time for me to try some additional interventions as well. I really attribute my quick decision to get help to my older sister, Sarah, who had taught me through her words and through her example after fighting mental illness for over a decade that it is not a weakness to reach out for help. It is a strength. And I will be forever grateful that I had her support during that extremely difficult time in my life and that I continue to have it as I work every day to maintain mental wellness. My sister is here on the podcast today for part two in a series that we're doing about motherhood and mental health. Last week, we talked about strategies you can use in your own self-care in your day-to-day life if you're struggling with depression and anxiety. And today we're going to talk about how to reach for outside help. We hope this episode will be a blessing to women who might currently be in the dark places that both Sarah and I have been in, but maybe don't quite know what to do or where to turn. So here's my conversation with my older sister, Sarah McKenna. Sarah, welcome back to 3 and 30. Thank you. I would like to say that we've had such great feedback on your first episode, but we're actually recording these back to back. So I have no idea if we've had good feedback on your first episode. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sure that we will have good feedback on your first episode because I'm just so grateful that you share so honestly and openly And realistically, you never say like, this is going to fix it. You just share, it's really, really, really hard. And here's some things that might help um, as you manage the day-to-day with mental illness. So thanks for coming back on. My pleasure. So we are going to talk today about reaching for some outside help. To um, When you're in a place like I was in, where you realize, okay, this this is not manageable. Uh, This is becoming uh, not only hard on me, but on my family. I really need some additional help. Where do we even start? So why don't you begin, in case people didn't hear uh, the last episode, can you give us a little bit of your history with mental illness? And then you can go into your takeaways about what to do to reach for that outside help. Yes. So I am a person who suffers from bipolar 2 disorder which is often called bipolar depression because it's marked by very low lows that happen most of the time and then occasional hypomanic episodes, not full-blown mania. And I also suffered from severe postpartum depression after each of my children that lasted um, between a year and two years each time. And after my miscarriage, I got it. And I didn't even know you could get postpartum depression after miscarriage, but you can. And I also suffered that time from postpartum anxiety disorder and postpartum OCD. And it's been brutal. The last has been brutal. Yes. (laughs) The last 10 years. I mean, it's really been 20 plus years that you've struggled, but the last 10 years have been brutal. And from an outside perspective, watching someone I love so much Um, it's been devastating, but you have dealt with it with so much strength day to day. I mean, you probably don't feel like day to day. It was always strong, but the culmination of a lot of days 
you've um, you've really dealt with with a lot of strength and become a support to a lot of other women who c- turn to you now when they need help and support because you've been open about your journey. Thank you. So t- let us know what what are your takeaways for women who might find themselves in a place like where I was after having a baby, or it doesn't always even have to be linked to something like that. Just in general, they are struggling with their mental health. They may not know how much they're struggling. They may not have a good sense for that. What is your first takeaway for them? Okay. Now these are, I am not a psychiatrist and I am not a licensed therapist. These are just based on my life experiences. And I really hope that they can be helpful to someone. They helped me. They've helped me with my bipolar. They've helped me with my postpartum illnesses. And they helped me when I had an eating disorder when I was young. Number one is don't be afraid to try medications. Mm. So tell us more about that. Okay. So you can go to your doctor and they can prescribe your medications for you. And let me tell you, they can change your life. My life has been saved, literally, and completely changed by medications. Now, if you are a mom with postpartum depression, you might just want to ask your OBGYN about it since you're going to be seeing them frequently anyway. You could talk to your primary care doctor. But if you're having long-term, consistent, chronic, severe problems, I would really recommend going to an actual psychiatrist. Hmm. And that comes from your experience of being kind of misdiagnosed by yes. a general doctor. So tell us a little bit more about that. We did we did talk about this a little bit last week, but tell us more about that experience. Yes, my primary care doctors in college and then my OBGYNs after I had my first baby all just thought it was just depression. Everyone thought it was depression. Even when I had the eating disorder treatments, they wanted to treat me for depression. And it was okay and it helped a little. But it wasn't until I went to see a psychiatrist after my second baby was born, my OBGYN said, this is too severe. I can't handle it. I'm sending you to psychiatry. And, oh, my gosh, I'm so grateful. Because the first meeting with my psychiatrist, she said, you're not just depressed. You are bipolar. We need to put you on mood stabilizers along with these antidepressants. And it has completely changed my life. Mm. So getting that proper diagnosis is huge because that then, you know, leads to treatment options. Yes. And, um, but I will say just start with whoever you can, like absolutely start with your primary care doctor or your OB. And it's really, really important to be fully honest with those people. I think that many of us get in there and we downplay it or, For me, I know sometimes I will be in a really low, low and I'll think, okay, it's time to get help. So I call and I make the appointment, but the appointment is a couple weeks out. And by the time that comes around, I'm actually feeling okay that day. And so then I'm like, oh, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe I don't need help. And then I downplay it and I don't get the help I need. Then the next time I have a low, low, I'm like, what the heck was I thinking? So I always really encourage women to write down on their worst day what it feels like um, to remind themselves if they need a refresher that like, I'm not crazy. I actually do need help as well as you could always bring that to the doctor and say, Hey, this is what it's like in order to have your doctor take you seriously, because sometimes they don't take you that seriously. And they say, well, that's normal. And 
you know, we'll see you again in a couple months. And so to help them to take you seriously, as well as if they don't take you seriously, you can always ask a different doctor. Absolutely. You need to stand up for yourself and be proactive, which is often easier said than done when we're talking about being depressed. But um, I totally do that. I make notes on my bad days. And when I have bad episodes, I make notes on my phone and then I read them to my psychiatrist mm-hmm. and then that helps her understand what I'm dealing with. Yes. Which is so raw and vulnerable to let somebody read those or to even read them out loud to somebody because it is the darkest parts of you. It is the darkest thoughts you've ever had. And to put them out is so hard, but sometimes that's the only way for them to know how bad it actually is. So, and I have an experience that I have never shared publicly. Um, but I don't know if I've even told you this, Sarah, but I was taking a medication for a different, a totally different condition. Um, I have this condition called intracranial hypertension and it was making me really depressed. And I called the doctor and I told them that, and they were like, yeah, that can happen. Like hang in there kind of. Um, and I just felt like I was underwater. It was so difficult to manage day to day, but I wasn't telling them the full extent of how bad it was. So the next appointment, when I went in, I told him, I really want a different medicine. I'm not doing well. And he said, but this medicine is working so well for your condition. The symptoms are so well managed by this medicine. Can you just endure it? And I had to take a deep breath and tell him I'm, I'm having suicidal thoughts. And he was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. We need to switch your medication. Like it wasn't until I told him how bad it actually was. I would have thoughts like, I just wish I didn't have to wake up tomorrow or it would be so much easier to not be alive or it would be easy to just drive my car into this railing right now. Like I never was actually going to do it, but the thoughts were there and that is not normal. And a doctor needs to know if you're having those intrusive thoughts and they can be triggered like it was for me. I, I do struggle with some mild depression and anxiety all the time, but that was also triggered by a medicine I was taking and that can happen. So you can think back and think what has changed in my life that might be leading to this. And I need to be honest with a doctor about how bad it actually is. Absolutely. And what's your experience been met with medicine been like, like, I mean, I know the answer to this, so this is a complete leading question, but um, have you, has it been like you took the first medicine and it fixed everything? No, you are probably going to have to try more than one. I keep a list of all the medications I've tried and, what their side effects were on me because I don't have a good memory. So when I see new doctors and they want to know what I've tried and how it's been and if they can put me on certain meds, I look back at my list and I counted it up yesterday and I've been on 16 different psych meds. Wow. That's been, that hasn't all happened at once. It wasn't like I had to try a bunch of medicines, boom, 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 right in a row. But I have tried 16 different meds and I had to wean on and off of them and it was really hard. But I am delighted to say that I am now on a cocktail of a few meds that are making me possible to live my best life. Yeah. And I can see it. I even said to Ryan yesterday, I'm like, I feel like Sarah is Sarah again. And there was, it was worth the effort. It was worth all the tries 
it was worth it to find the meds that are perfect for my body. And I just respect you so much for persevering through all of the like insane side effects, some of which are so frustrating, like weight gain. And women get so like, they're like, the minute they start to gain weight, they're like, I'm done, I'm off. But you've been like, I don't care. Like, I have to be alive and stable and I'll take whatever side effects come until I find the right medication. Yes. I have had to do that. I've had to seriously, as a person who used to have an eating disorder, um, it was really hard to accept the weight gain from one of my mood stabilizers. Yeah. And I know that probably sounds really, really scary to some people, but wouldn't you rather be overweight and be alive? Yes, totally. Um, and you've been such an example to me of that and just not giving up through all of the awful, awful side effects over the years. And I have to add that I haven't, I got really lucky that the first antidepressant that I tried worked. And so I don't want anybody to think like, to be scared away and think I'm going to have to yeah. try 16 medications. Like, no, <laughs> I, the first one my doctor prescribed was a good fit for me. And, and I started to feel better within two weeks of taking it. And um, you know what? I've heard that from a lot of people. Yes. And I also feel like there are still side effects that, so I still take that medication. I didn't want to take that medication for the rest of my life. I fought that tooth and nail. You know, there's been times when I'm like, I try to go off of it and I talk to you about it and you talk me through the fact that if I need glasses, I would wear glasses for the rest of my life. And it's okay if I have to take this medicine in order to see clearly and to live true, like my real self is. And so even though I still have some side effects that I don't love, I just deal with it because it's worth it to me to continue to be my best self. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes you have to use more than one. At the same time. Yes. At the same time. I am always on more than one because I do need stabilizers and antidepressants. But um, I've been on as many as eight at one time, which was really unusual. But that's when I was super suicidal after my miscarriage. Um, but for most people, it's just one or two. And different antidepressants can treat different things. Some are a little better for anxiety. Some are a little better for energy. So you may just have low doses of a couple things and that's okay too. Don't be afraid to try that. Yeah. And it's, it's totally fine if you feel fearful around this topic. I remember the first time that I said out loud to somebody that I might need an antidepressant. And this was years before I actually did take one. I literally started to cry when I said it out loud, which I don't cry. The thought of it terrified me. I just felt like I'll be dependent on this thing forever. I'm not, I don't know what I thought, but I was terrified. And now I'm like so much more okay with it because I've seen how it's blessed my life. I told a friend recently who's considering taking an antidepressant, but she's really freaked out. I told her, I feel like I'm me. Like she said, I'm afraid it's going to change me. And I'm like, no, in my experience, it has helped me to be the real me that I couldn't be when I was struggling with this illness. Yes, I agree. I was very scared to try it too. And I remember telling mom and dad, and I didn't think they'd approve because they had not put me on medications in high school, even though doctors had told them that they should. And so I thought that they wouldn't approve. And mom was just like, I think that's wonderful that you're taking care of yourself. Yes. Amen to that. 
Okay, so medication is definitely an option, and we want you to know that. But there are other options, too. What's your second takeaway? Number two, therapy is your friend. (laughs) Yes, it is. I love the way you worded that. Yep. And Rachel is a bigger uh, advocate of this than anyone I know. (laughs) Yes, it's true. (laughs) I think that I have probably been forced into more therapy than you, but I think that you love it more than anyone I know. (laughs) I think you've gotten more out of it. (laughs) I don't know if that's a compliment or what, but yes, I do love therapy. It's true. And I like shout it from the rooftops. I tell everyone to give it a try. Yeah. Now, a lot of times people don't want to do therapy because they don't know how to find a therapist or, um, what the different kinds of therapy are like CBT, DBT, just talk therapy. Like there's all sorts of different kinds of therapy, but I wanted to refer to a different podcast that I recently came across that I thought was really good. It's called thoughts on thoughts Mm -hmm. and it's three licensed therapists and their episode number 16 was called finding a therapist and different types of therapy. And I thought it was very enlightening Perfect. Yeah. And um, it's nice to hear about the different types because the way that I found my first therapist was actually just Googling, but I knew what type of therapy I wanted. So I, cause I had eating disorder issues. And so, and I knew I wanted a therapist that knew that specialized in intuitive eating. And so I Googled intuitive eating therapist Denver, cause that's where I was living. And then about seven came up and I read through their websites and I kind of tried to get a feel for them and made a few calls. Some therapists will have like a 15 minute, like free call where you can just talk to them first and found someone that I clicked with and went to her. So it can be helpful if you kind of know the type of therapy that you might be interested in. If you listen to an episode, like the one that you just referred to yeah, that that explains it for me, the best type of therapy has been art therapy. Mm, I love that. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, and I went to an art therapist when we lived in Denver. Now that we moved to a small community in Utah, I tried looking up art therapists the other day and there aren't any. And I'm so sad. <laughs> yeah. How is it different than just like doing art yourself? Um, now, I don't have a very good memory of this time period because it was so traumatic to me. Um, but I went to art therapy after my miscarriage when I was suicidal. And... uh I just have vague memories of it, but I still have all the art that I did during it, which kind of helps bring it back. Mm. And like, I have a poster that I drew a baby on it. And on the outside, it was like rainbows and roses and da da da, everything having a baby supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And on the inside, it, this was like magazine clippings. It was a collage. And on the inside, it was all like darkness, blackness, deep hole. And I just remember making that and thinking, wow, this is so therapeutic to my soul right now to face the reality of my existence as compared to what it's supposed to be. Hmm. And to have something that, that can put into words what you can't put into words. Right. Because I am not, I'm not, I've done a lot of talk therapy, but I'm not great at it. I don't love to talk about what I'm actually feeling when I'm feeling it. I'm really good at talking about it after the fact, but I'm not great at talking about it when, but I'm, can always express myself like through a collage or a painting or something, not necessarily a good painting, but just a, an artistic representation 
of what I'm doing because I don't have to talk about it. I can just put it out there. Yes. And you know, for me, I've never been interested in the visual arts. Um, although I will say sometimes when I give it a chance and I actually sit down and try doing things like this, I enjoy it a lot more than I think I will. But, but mine, um, that was super helpful was narrative therapy, like writing, which totally fits with my personality and is similar. It's a creative type of therapy where I was able to write out my experience. So I have a piece that I wrote about my eating disorder where I, she was a character in my story and I wrote out what she was saying to me and my responses. And it just gave me so much clarity around what was happening in my head once I like created the story with it. So that was another type of useful therapy. Yeah. Okay. And I feel like that leads really well into your uh, third takeaway as well. It sure does. My third takeaway is find a creative outlet. So that can be all kinds of things. For Rachel, it's writing. And, you know, for me, it's been writing too. When we decided after my miscarriage that it wasn't safe for me to have any more children, my heart was just broken. And I wrote a letter to my baby in heaven apologizing that I wouldn't be able to bring them here and explaining um, all the things that were going on with my mental health. And it was so therapeutic and I came across it the other day and I couldn't believe how powerful it was that I had written that in that time. And I didn't even remember that I had written it, but it was so powerful and so therapeutic. So writing can be a really great tool. And I remember reading that letter. Um, You shared it with us and feeling like I understood for the first time what you were really dealing with because it was so raw and Um, it just, it was, it explained it so much better than anything that you'd ever told me to actually get to read your inner thoughts addressed to that baby. I mean, so heartbreaking and powerful and tender. And even if you had never shared that with anyone, it would have been worth doing for yourself. Absolutely. And so another, uh, creative thing that is music, you know, uh, so many of the most successful composers and, um, Art song, musical artists are a struggle with these things and write songs about it. Mm-hmm. For me, it was dancing when I was growing up. I was a big dancer and I would just turn off the lights in the basement and I would, we had an unfinished basement. So it was a big blank slate for me to dance in. And I would turn on these like melancholy over dramatic songs. And then I would just dance my heart out in the basement. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me at all? I never had any idea that was happening, but it does not surprise me. Oh, it happened all the time, girl. (laughs) But it was helpful. I'm sure it was helpful. It was so helpful. And there are people that get really into sports. I have no talent in sports, so that was never a therapy for me. It was just a stressor. But there are people that get really into different sports. We already talked about in the last episode about how running can help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And Or you can be creative in totally different ways, like service opportunities, coming up with ways to serve people and change the world. And there's so many different ways that you can be creative. It's not just about art. Yes. And I feel like it, it is about, um, creating something that didn't exist before, even if that's like a meal or, you know, something it's, 
it shows yourself that you can still do things and that you can still add value to this world. Like, because totally. when you're in a dark place and it's the kind, it's often the last thing you want to do is produce something. You want to just lay there and not never produce another thing, but showing Absolutely. yourself that you can gives you that little spark of life back. I, it's been my experience. I agree. Yeah. And I know um, you've had that experience with blogging. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I have a blog called Bombshell Bling. And uh, so my friend Courtney, who is Sweet Seas Designs, wonderful food blog and travel blog. Just a little plug for her because she's awesome. Um, she uh, wanted me to help her start this second blog. And we... We actually didn't really know each other very well in high school, but we connected at our 10-year reunion and really hit it off. And she was like, you need to come blog with me. And I was like, I don't think so. Because I had just had my daughter and I had severe postpartum depression and I was barely functioning. But she kind of dragged me into it kicking and screaming and I didn't know her that well. So I didn't feel like I could be like, listen, lady, just back off. <laughs> so I just kind of like went along with it and was like, fine, I'll do a couple things to make her happy. And so it forced me to start doing crafts and taking pictures, which I had a nice camera, but I didn't really know how to take nice pictures. So it started forcing me to learn how to do those things again. And it helped my recovery so much. I could never thank her for how she helped with my recovery. And she ended up just giving me the second blog when she got overwhelmed because her first one started to grow so much. She is just, oh, what a good friend. Yeah. And do you think she had any idea that you needed that? Or was it just kind of like a godsend I doubt that it came into your life? Because she didn't really know me that well before. So mm -hmm. I don't know how she would see that I was different. Yeah. Yeah. I think that she is just a really outgoing, bubbly person. And she thought, I like this girl. It'd be fun to work together. And I love the like built in accountability that you had there where like, because someone else was kind of counting on you to do it and the social, like you loved her, it right. got you to do what you, what you kind of wanted to do anyway, but you never would have. So I think thinking about that, if you're struggling, what can you do to build accountability into your life? Maybe like a social accountability to be creative, to connect with people, um, maybe signing up for a class or like starting a book club with friends or joining a book club because starting one sounds really ambitious. Yeah. Or like being like, okay, we're going to do a pickup basketball game every Wednesday at seven. Yes. And then that can really help with your mental struggles if you have that thing that you're doing that you're looking forward to. Maybe you're not even looking forward to it, but once you get there and do it, it you find that you feel so much better. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sarah. These three takeaways I feel like are huge to get people started on a path towards healing. Um, and they're not going to be easy to do. They're not going to fix everything immediately, but it's a start. And do you have anything else that you would like to add before we wrap up? I do. I kind of have a little bonus takeaway. And that is that if you are a religious person, try turning to God. I think that prayer in, in my life has been the most useful. And I will tell you honestly that sometimes when I turn to God, I find peace and it really helps. And sometimes when I'm depressed, God feels like he is a million miles away and doesn't care about me at all. Now, that's not true. He does care about me. But that is how I feel at that time. And I can't get any peace from prayer sometimes. Mm -hmm. But other times it totally helps. So you know what? It's worth a shot. 
Yeah. And all of these things that we talked about, I really feel like can be tools of God. Like prayer alone is not going to fix it. At least that's been my experience. But I think that God can work through doctors and medicine and therapists and friends and all these things to help you out of a really dark place. Absolutely. And yeah, I wouldn't treat it with only prayer because if I had cancer, would I pray about it? You better believe I would. But I would also listen to my doctor and go to my surgery and take my chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Yep. So would I pray about my mental illness? Yes, I would. But I'd also listen to my doctor and get the medications because I truly believe that medicine and modern uh, advancements in therapy are advancements and gifts from God that have come through him as a blessing for us in this age. I completely agree. And I appreciate you bringing that up and pointing, bringing our attention to that takeaway and also acknowledging that sometimes that has not worked at all for you. And if somebody's yeah. in a sometimes place, it doesn't. <laughs> and I mean, I know cause we've talked like sometimes you like literally feel nothing for months on end with that, but which is okay if people are feeling that, but like you said, it's still worth a shot. Well, thank you, Sarah. And I'd love for you to recap these three takeaways for us before we say goodbye. Okay. Don't be afraid to try medications. Therapy is your friend and find a creative outlet. Okay. Thank you so much for these tools and these steps that we can start taking towards healing. And I'm just so grateful that you're my sister and my one, I have to say you're one of my very favorite guests I've ever had on three and 30. Well, thank you. (laughs) So we'll have to have you back again in the future and I hope you have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for being part of that important conversation with my sister. I truly do feel like every listener of three and 30 is part of these conversations. I only wish we were all actually sitting in a room together so that you could chime in and share your experiences and advice. I love the strong women in this community, and I love thinking that maybe these episodes get you talking to the women in your everyday life about how we can all find more strength and tools in our motherhood experiences. I am hoping that I can ask a favor of you. Would you please share these episodes about mental health with the women in your circles of influence? I got so many messages last week from grateful women who have been suffering from mental illness and silence, and they said that they needed the episode to know that they weren't alone. I heard from women who, after listening, called their doctors to schedule an appointment, talked to their partners about the hard place that they're in, reached out to counselors, and even one mother who called the National Suicide Prevention Hotline after listening to the episode. And that message especially touched my heart because, as I mentioned on last week's episode, two years ago on November 15th, we lost my son's birth mother, Katie, to mental illness and our lives will never be the same. This week, as I was thinking about Katie, I read some words of advice that she wrote on Instagram about living with mental illness. She said, let people help you. You are not a burden. You are so important. Your life is worth living. And I just want to echo her words today and say again, let people help you. You are not a burden. You are so important. Your life is worth living. 
I usually end each episode by saying I hope you have a great week with your family, but the truth is some weeks aren't great, and that is okay. So I guess my hope for you this week is that you feel supported and loved, you reach out for help if you need it, and you reach out to help if you're in a position to do that. We are all in this together, and I and so many others are always rooting for you.